Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, listener mail. My name is Robert Lamb. And I am Joe McCormick, and it's Monday, the day of each week that we read back messages from the Stuff to Blow Your Mind mailbag. If you have never gotten in touch and you would like to, why not give it a shot? You can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Whatever you want to send is fine. Uh, Obviously, uh, a lot of people send in feedback to recent episodes. Maybe they have something interesting they want to add to something we talked about uh, or a question about the subject matter. Uh, Corrections are welcome as well. Well, any of that, just send it on in. Or if you just want to say hello, tell us how you listen to the show, where you're from, and so forth, that's all fair game, too. Send it on in. Contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Uh, let's see, Rob, do you mind if I kick things off with this message from Steve about our series on the uh, on horse hooves? Yes, let's have it. Steve says, hi again, Robert and Joe. In your Hooves Part 2 episode, uh, Robert briefly mentioned the discovery that five fingers become one in horse embryos during one of the phases of their growth. Uh, I have to stop you right there, Steve. That was me that said that, not Robert. But, you know, people mix us up sometimes. It's okay. It happens. Yeah, we're not wearing name tags. Uh, Steve goes on, though quite interesting, this revelation did not surprise me because it seems like I've read about similar discoveries regarding the development of embryos in all kinds of different animals, not specifically about fingers, but a general pattern of growth that seems to repeat known evolutionary developments, beginning from the very simple and progressing to more complex forms, almost like a reenacted history of a given animal's deep evolutionary past up to its present physical paradigm or morphological configuration. 
This possibility is fascinating, but I don't know if there's a biological term for it or if it is something that has even been rigorously examined as a legitimate part of the gestation-slash-growth process of embryonic science. I'm not a biologist or a scientist, but I have been a student of human anatomy and how it affects external form, having professional experience as both a biomedical designer of 3D-printed titanium surgical guides and as a figurative sculptor. From this perspective, I can imagine how there might be structural-slash-shock-absorbing advantages to merging five fingers together from one in your example of a horse hoof, if some traces of the other four remain integrated with the whole. This is a crude analogy, but if you try to break five sticks in half, it can be more difficult than breaking one because there is potentially more flexibility in the separate thin sticks than one thick one. At the risk of betraying my profound ignorance, I also wonder if there is some kind of potential energy conservation in the storage of DNA-derived information used by nature to control embryonic development from simple to more complex states inherent in the DNA simply stacking revised versions of itself on top of older versions. Thank you, as always, for the fantastic content, and uh, congrats again to Joe on being a new dad. Happy Father's Day, Steve. Oh, thank you, Steve. Well, regarding your question about uh, animal embryos sort of repeating their evolutionary history as they develop, uh, we could come back one day and do a deeper dive on this, but I'll try to do the, the very short and simple version. There is actually an obsolete hypothesis in the history of evolutionary theory, no longer held to today, uh, associated most with the German naturalist Ernst Haeckel that proposes that as an animal embryo develops, it essentially goes through all of its ancestral forms from, quote, lowest to highest. So a developing horse embryo would at some point just sort of become a fish and then become a primitive tetrapod, etc. This idea was summarized in the slogan that, quote, ontogeny recapitulates phylogeny. Ontogeny meaning the development of an individual organism, phylogeny meaning its evolutionary history. Uh, we know today that as a blanket statement, this hypothesis was not correct. In fact, it seems that while Ernst Haeckel was a great illustrator, he probably fudged some of his drawings of animal embryos to make them better fit with his hypothesis. Uh, but a few general comments about this idea. First of all, in evolution, there is not actually a higher or lower. You can, you can order your ancestors or the ancestors of a species chronologically, but that progression is not actually like climbing a mountain of sophistication or refinement to, quote, higher forms. At each stage, the organism is simply adapting to its environment and whatever pressures happen to, to weigh upon it at that point in time. But even more importantly, scientists have discovered that ontogeny, the growth of an individual organism, is something that itself evolves. Like, so how an organism grows is something that can be selected for. And different organisms go through different kinds of developmental stages that are selected for the needs of the species. But it is true that organisms in development often do manifest particular features that look like the embryonic forms of distant ancestors, even if those forms are not found in adults of, uh, of the embryo's own species. Hence, you get horse embryos with five distinct toes before they vanish and then become more like the horse hoof that, that it will have when it's, uh, when, after it's born. 
Or you get things like, uh, Rob, you mentioned this example when it came up in the episode, frontal nostrils in dolphins. Uh, dolphin embryos will first have a more frontally positioned nostril that gradually moves to become a top-facing blowhole as the embryo develops. But this kind of thing is contingent. These are isolated examples uh, of, of where that happens. And as a general rule, an organism does not have to go through all of the past stages of its evolutionary history during growth. Sometimes it shows some of them. And so the interesting question becomes, in the cases when it does, why is that? I don't know enough to comment on your idea about like the uh, efficiency of information storage in DNA, whether it's more efficient to just like stack the new plan on top of the older, I, I couldn't say, but it uh, could be interesting to come back and look at that someday. Absolutely. All right. The next message comes to us from Jamie concerning our episodes on dreams. And um, if memory serves this, I think this came out after the first episode, but before the second. Yeah. Jamie writes, Dear Robert and Joe, I'm enjoying the pod, as always, and especially your recent episode on dreams. It reminded me that, as Frank Herbert tells us, dreams are messages from the deep. I wonder if Herbert was drawing in this, as in so much of the Dune series, on Islamic tradition, in which there is a long history of the interpretation of dreams. In fact, there is a hadith or tradition in which the Prophet Muhammad is said to have said, a good vision is from Allah and a bad dream is from Satan, with various later scholars developing methods for distinguishing good from bad dreams. If this sounds very similar to Homer's Gates of Horn and Ivory, I think that's probably because rather than being some kind of opponent or negation of classical antiquity, much of early Islamic thought and civilization was actually a continuation of it. Looking forward to the next installment. Best wishes, Jamie. Well, thanks for writing in, Jamie. Um, we're all, of course, we're always up for, um, for any questions or comments concerning uh, Dune. And uh, I, now this particular quote, the, uh, Joe and I were just talking about this uh, off mic before we, we came in here, but uh, this quote is from the recent part one movie adaptation, uh, but does not occur in the actual Frank Herbert novel. Or at least we couldn't find evidence of it. I think it is not in the novel. I saw some website uh, in my quick Googling here saying it was just unique to the film, but it is how the, the Denis Villeneuve movie begins. Yeah. Now, that's not to say dreams are not important within uh, the novel Dune and then ultimately within the, uh, the, the larger series of Dune novels that Frank Herbert wrote. Dream, dreams do play an important role there. Uh, and, of course, he does draw tremendously on Islamic culture and Islamic ideas, uh, in, including, I think, the importance of dreams. At the same time, he also ends up drawing heavily on like Jungian ideas of concerning like dreams. So I think likely with this quote that they put together for the film, they are, um, you know, they're hinting at both of those. Now, Jamie, as for your uh, quote from the, the Hadith, I was interested in this. So I went and looked it up in a couple of online databases for the Hadith, which are uh, collections of the sayings and sometimes the deeds of the Prophet Muhammad organized by like which teacher or companion of the Prophet uh, recorded or, or narrated them. Uh, so when I dug this up on an English language resource called the Prophetic Hadith Encyclopedia, it records two uh, very similar sayings uh, next to each other. 
One of them is passed on by Abu Qatada, which says, A good vision is from Allah, and a bad dream is from the devil. If any one of you sees something which he dislikes, he should spit on his left three times and seek refuge with Allah from the devil, then it will not harm him. And then there's a second recorded one similar to the second half of that. This one is attributed to the, the version told by Jabir, that says, if any one of you sees a dream which he dislikes, then let him spit three times on his left side, seek refuge with Allah from the devil three times, and then change his sleeping position. Uh, and I, the, the interpretive material with it uh, says that this last piece of advice probably means if you're sleeping on one side, roll over to the other side. And it struck me as interesting because the advice attributed to the prophet here for repelling a nightmare, or a nightmare which uh, may well be from Satan, is a mix of the sacred and the mundane. Like it says to take refuge with Allah, to be protected from the devil, but also to roll over onto your other side. Oh, yeah. And also to uh, spit three times on the left side. So, yeah. Scholars of the Hadith or uh, Islamic history, if if you're listening, if you've got any context on this kind of uh, advice, I, I'd be I'd be curious if there's anything more to know about this. Yeah, yeah, because we in the second episode in our dream series, we get into some Islamic dream traditions, but they are keyed into a very particular time and place within the Islamic world. So uh, there's so much that we we did not uh, research or cover for that uh, part of the episode. All right, shall we skip ahead to some Weird House Cinema messages? Oh, yeah. Okay, so to kick things off on Weird House Cinema, I'm going to mention that we heard back from Michelle, who wrote in, and uh, we read her message on a previous uh, listener mail episode where she described a movie that she had seen about a about a woman who left her human boyfriend in favor of a relationship with a robot, uh, gave us some, some plot details and so forth, and we were trying to figure out what the movie was. We failed. We also tried to see if uh, AI could help us with the task. AI also failed. But then we read the message out, and it turns out that one of the listeners who got in touch with a potential answer was on the money. Michelle says, thanks, guys. And Chris, Chris was the listener who uh, wrote in about this. The Creation of the Humanoids is the movie I was thinking of. This was the one from the 1960s. Uh, it was not in black and white, as she originally said. I think this one is in color. But, uh, Rob, you said this one looked like uh, it was worth a look. Uh, I believe Michael Weldon's uh, write-up of it said it was fun. And, hey, it has deadly man love in it with, I That's mean, with right. cinematic charisma like that. Uh, in the cast. Uh, you, you can't dismiss it. You've got to go in for a closer look. Don't you sometimes wish it had been Dudley Manlove in the role in 2001, like he's the one going through the Stargate? <laughs> he's there in the in the Baroque French room and all that. Oh, man. If only, if only it could have been. Your stupid mind. <laughs> Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting. Uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. 
Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This the next one comes to us from Kelsey. Kelsey says, Hello, Robin Joe. While I love the regular feed of sciencey facts and tellings, I normally only half listen to the Weird House Cinema episodes as I have never had the attention to watch movies, and especially ones with strange plots, weird storylines, etc. However, when I saw Blade come across this week, I knew I had to listen. See, I am a young millennial whose mother had a strange fascination with Wesley Snipes. So when these movies came out, and when we subscribed to mail-order Netflix in the following years, my mom insisted that her children watch them with her. Now, my sister and I are neither quite 30 years old yet, so this places us in the under-10 category when these movies were released. This may not seem strange, except for the fact that I was raised in a very Christian conservative household where Harry Potter and the Da Vinci Code were banned. I was shocked when you described the amount of cursing in the movie as in our household, even euphemisms for words such as darn or frick were off limits. Anyways, I guess it goes to show you how much influence Wesley Snipes has in the world. P.S. 
I also had a garage TV growing up with uh, that my dad would often watch while working on cars, tractors, etc. I believe it was the style with a built-in VCR. Sincerely, Kelsey. Is this because I mentioned that I I watched uh, Blade on a on a garage TV? I think you did. Yeah, that was a there's an episode from last year that we reran recently. Well, I love this email. So yeah, Harry Potter, the Da Vinci Code, demonic, absolute hard no, <laughs> but Blade, the the R-rated nonstop swear fest with like beheadings and people like melting into piles of blood. That's good. Well, you know where Blade stands. You know yeah. where he stands. And it is just, it's a captivating performance. It's just, uh, as we discussed uh, uh, at length in that episode, I mean, Wesley Snipes just absolutely brings it. Who could disagree? But wait, Kelsey says she she says these movies. So not just Blade. It sounds like she's talking about the Blade franchise. Like, Kelsey, if you if you want to reply to us again, do you mean that your mom also Netflix ordered Blade 2 and Blade 3 and so forth? I don't know if there ever was a Blade 4. Like, did you see them all? Uh, No, there was no four. There was there was Blade 1. Terrific. Blade 2. Incredible. Blade 3. Uh, almost entirely disappointing outside of uh, like one or two lines from Blade. Then there was a TV series, which I haven't seen, um, that does not have Wesley Snipes in it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think there may have been some animated stuff as well and so forth uh, here and there. But, uh, you know, we're on, the, we're on the cusp of getting a new Blade film. Uh, just fingers crossed that they can, uh, they can make it work. It sounds like it's off to, they, they, they keep changing who's involved in it. Um, and there have been some shakeups with it. But, I mean, at, at heart, it sounds like they're going back to some of the core material uh, concerning uh, this character. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fingers crossed that, that, it, that it's great. I actually saw Blade 2 since we recorded that episode. A friend of mine was like, well, you've got to see it. And he brought it over for us to watch. It, it was fantastic fun, but that movie is so 2002. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't watched it in, uh, in, in, in many years at this point, but... Uh, uh, I mean, it's got it, it's got that Del Toro charm to it. Like Del Toro's yeah. monsters uh, definitely uh, occupy uh, the film. Monsters that uh, you're supposed to be a sympathetic for on some level, but they also are entirely monstrous. Uh, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot to love in there, but there are some some aspects of it that are maybe a little rougher around the edges. I know that Del Toro was never completely uh, satisfied with some of the CGI elements and so forth. Mm. Everything CGI heavy from the early 2000s will, I think, always have that issue. Yeah. Well, you need you need to see Blade Trinity and and complete the journey. Okay. Speaking of dated visual effects, um, do you, Rob, do you mind if I finish up with this message from Jeff? Go for it. A quick note: This was a very long email, so it's edited a bit for length. Sorry about that, Jeff. Just uh, took a few things out and tightened it up. Jeff says, greetings. Regarding the series on 3D movies, your description of The Mask, this is the one from the 60s, not the Jim Carrey, uh, reminded me of the best implementation of 3D I've ever seen, the Magic Journeys 3D movie at Epcot. In the early 1980s, Epcot was still a place of wonder and cutting-edge tech. I was fascinated by the touchscreen GUI interface, I guess that's GUI, GUI interface, on the World Key Park Information kiosks, which did Google Maps tricks years before the first Macintosh was a thing. 
offered a search engine, played video, and operated like a modern website. You could also make restaurant reservations via video phone. Parentheses, pretty much every conversation began with the Epcot representative explaining that, yes, I am a real human, and yes, I can see you just like you can see me. While Blade Runner and other films were telling us that the future would be nothing but boundless misery, Epcot attractions matter-of-factly explained that in the 21st century, you'll go to school at the bottom of the ocean, call your friends terraforming the desert via 3D phone, visit your relatives on holidays in suburban space stations, etc. Everyone would be living the dream, a fulfilling life with plentiful resources. Integrated into all the fantasy was real-life impressive tech that actually worked. Magic Journeys was featured in the Journey into Imagination Pavilion in the now-corrupted and renamed Future World section of the park. Isn't that the name of the sequel to Westworld? Uh, yeah, 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 it is Future World, but uh, different, different attraction. Yeah, okay. Uh, Jeff goes on. Where the other attractions focused on specific elements of future living, the Imagination Pavilion explained that those innovations would be impossible without human creativity and abstract thinking. Your description of the mask reminded me of a sequence of eerie floating masks from the film, which begins as a dreamy, trippy flight of wonder, and at the halfway point turns decidedly creepy and weird house. One scene in particular featured a witch shooting uh, lightning bolts from her fingers directly at the audience, and to my eyes, the bolts seemed to end just inches in front of my nose. Usually, at least one small child would start crying loudly at that point. I've never before or since seen an effect that seemed to jump so far out of the screen. Uh, and then Jeff uh, provides some links to like a podcast, I think, about this 3D film and, uh, and a video showing samples from it. Uh, Jeff goes on, the 8mm film to YouTube conversion leaves a lot to be desired, but I assure you the visuals were stunning. The deliberate slow pace created the feel of altered consciousness, although this does not translate at all in a crappy 2D resolution, and you might be tempted to hit the 2x speed button. However, the music is worth experiencing properly. It is. It was similarly bizarre, featuring rich 80s synth and freaky lyrics about, quote, splashing in the stream of an unremembered dream, and, quote, the atoms that repose in the heartbeat of a rose. Disney would never make anything so meditative and aggressively weird these days. <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, an unrelated, uh, Jeff also recommends an Amazon prime video series called Jean-Claude Van Johnson, uh, which is about Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, quote, the premise is that, uh, JCVD, the actor was also a secret agent in real life. It's an action comedy that is both a parody and a celebration of the actor in his movies. Van Damme is hilarious in multiple roles and a surprisingly effective actor and good sport. You can easily binge the whole series in a weekend. Uh, and then he goes on to say some things. Uh, apparently, it also ends in a cliffhanger. Uh, but to wrap it up, uh, Jeff says, finally, in regards to attempts to conceptualize distance between the planets discussed in the, the Uranus episodes, on the Washington Mall in D.C., beginning near the Air and Space Museum, 
There is a 1 to 10 billion scale model of our solar system. The sun is about the size of a grapefruit, and following the trail along the sidewalk, you quickly run into the inner planets with information stations and size comparisons at each one. By the time you get to Neptune, it's easy to forget why you were walking in that direction in the first place, especially with all the exciting distractions in DC. Thanks for continuing to present us with diverse information to pour into our brains while stuck in traffic and doing otherwise tedious chores. You are appreciated, Jeff. Oh, well, thank you, Jeff. I had never seen this movie. I think I went to Epcot as a young child, but if I saw this, I don't remember it. Uh, so I looked up uh, like a YouTube rip of this film. Obviously, as you say, you can't really get the feeling of what it would be like with 3D, but uh, the witch was extremely funny. Uh, she's kind of like the, you know, she's like the Wizard of Oz witch, like green makeup and the the long fingernails and stuff. Beyond that, uh, I did get to the part you were talking about with the masks flying out of the screen. There's like a, there's like an Oni mask asteroid that blasts at you. Uh, later, there is also a clown segment that has strong uh, resemblance to when Trumpy does magic things in pod people mm -hmm. but with clowns running out of the screen and screaming at you. Uh, and also, I don't know if this is like a sign of a neurological disorder on my part, but when I watched this movie, I could literally smell cigarettes. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm always um, uh, impressed anytime I learn something new about the like the history of Epcot and so forth. And, and uh, I got to go to Epcot in the last year for the first time. And uh, and uh, I you know I know there are aspects of Epcot that folks like to to, to rag on here and there, but uh, but I, I don't know I. I I really enjoyed it. I, I I also admire this kind of like this retro, now retro optimistic vision for the future, you know, uh, in which technology, like you say, is going to make everything brighter. I also thought about it a lot when we were um, discussing the black hole. Uh, like I say, mm. uh, I, mean, I guess it's the, the Imagineer's fingerprints on that one, but I, I feel like it has strong Epcot energy, even if it's ultimately telling a darker story away from Earth. Um, they don't really talk about Earth much in that. They're just like, oh, they, you know, things are the same. It's going great. It's boring. Yeah. <laughs> but w what 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 uh, what they mean by boring is like amazing. You have no idea. It's just it's only boring to them because they're used to all the flying cars and uh, and so forth. And telepathic clowns screaming in your face. Yes. <laughs> but I don't know. Sometimes I think on Weird House Cinema, it might be fun to feature more uh like non-narrative films things like this that uh on some like special episodes i don't know that that could be a fun different kind of thing to do like a, a amusement park films like the um like what or like service the... industry training <laughs> films or anything yeah. anything sufficiently weird yeah yeah if it's sufficiently weird then it's um you know we're already halfway there right all right. Well, on that note, we're going to go ahead and close it out for today. But hey, write in. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, any questions or comments about past, present, or future episodes of Stuff to Blow Your Mind, Weird House Cinema, Artifact, Monster Fact, other episodes of Lister Mail, it's all fair game. So send them in, and you'll find these episodes on Mondays in the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast feed. Huge thanks to our excellent audio producer, J.J. Posway. If you would like to get in touch with us with feedback on this episode or any other, to suggest a topic for the future, or just to say hello, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. 
the future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. 